and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lulu. And this week we're going to dive into episodes one and two of Mr. Mercedes from 2017. Before we get started, how was your week? Um, not particularly memorable. How was yours? Um, it was about the same. I will say, uh, uh this drops on Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day. Okay, so my week will be memorable by the time people hear this. <laughs> so, we are recording the weekend prior, but uh, this will be dropping on Thanksgiving. I'm going to do my best to have a holiday release, even if nobody wants to listen on Thanksgiving. People but maybe, will want to listen because they'll want to get away from those uh, political arguments with Grandpa. That is my... Well, first of all, please don't go visit Grandpa. Well, if you live with him. Well, if you live with him, yes. If you already shared a household, please, by all means, indulge in all of the grandpa you want. But hey, grandpa, Black Lives Matter, matter. Oh yes, we will. Yes, <laughs> that is I'm never not true. Say that to everyone. <laughs> these days. Yes, you yelled it out a window yesterday, so uh, which was pretty great. Uh, but yes, so please, we we are in California under another curfew situation, and also another. Toilet paper shortage situation because we didn't learn. I don't understand why people need to buy all the toilet paper. Well, I love that already Safeway has their two item limit sign, and still there were no toilet papers. Uh, So we've got to go buy toilet paper (laughs) this week. Intimate details of the household that you don't need to know. No. But uh, also, we are not to leave the house between uh, 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Right. Uh, and that's going to be in effect for the next month because every day more than a thousand, almost two thousand people are dying. And uh, it's preventable if we just make the effort to prevent it. We came home yesterday mm-hmm. uh, uh, from yeah. grocery shopping. Oh, yeah. Here's a little hey, neighbors, WTF moment for you. Uh, There's a narrow driveway. I'm not sure exactly how how to describe it. From the air, I think our yard is shaped like a letter, a lowercase letter B, in that there's a long tongue, and then it turns off, and there's parking spaces. Yes, Um, more more accurately, I think, if you looked at the property, there's a narrow area on both sides of the the home. We are in a duplex. We are Mm -hmm. on the, the entire top floor. And we have neighbors on the entire bottom floor, and right. then there's a small cottage behind us. Um, and so the yeah, the back of the, the there's two there's sort of what would be driveways on both sides, yeah. but the side on the right is closed off, and that is our quote unquote yard. <laughs> there it's all concrete and cement, so it's not really a yard, but that's our outdoor area. The other side is the driveway. There's two parking spaces directly at the back, two to the left, mm-hmm. no, to the right. I'm bad with my right and my left. But it does yeah, sort of form like a lowercase b or a fat L. Could be a fat L. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. You were saying. I was going to shame the L. Um, but somebody parked in that narrow neck so we couldn't get through and erected a bouncy house in the parking spots. Yes. But the reason why it comes into this conversation is that nobody apparently was wearing a mask. There were children, there were adults, there were other people gathering. And I cannot think a bouncy house. Of, a, of a more conducive place to get a disease than a bouncy house. As, as a parent, um, I cannot think of a more conducive germ carrier than children. 
Well, yes, no, are, of course. Are disgusting. They they carry more germs than you know roof rats. And once again, people are like, well, they're not really getting sick with COVID. A, yes, they are. And B, just because it's not in them, it is going to be in them when they go hug Grandpa on Thanksgiving. Right. And now it's in him. And weirdly, it uh, behaves differently in each person that it's in. Right. We just want everybody to live through this, and people are not living through this. And uh, well, failing that, if someone's individual choice is to die, then don't kill me. Yeah, I, you don't, I want to live. I have things I want to do. Like the, uh, it it sounds callous, um, um, but the people who commit suicide uh, off of the, you know, in front of the BART, uh-huh. right by the uh, Trans Bay Tunnel, thereby. Stopping Bart for an hour in well, every this, direction. It, it, it's, it's like, like if that's your choice to do, then why on earth is everyone else getting involved with it? Or um, you know, sort of suicide death people. I'm going to shoot the skin out the window and shoot 15 people and then shoot myself. Why don't you just start with yourself? just and, you? Right. If it's really that bad for I'm you. I'm not really on board with anybody right. doing that. I'm, I'm really not. But I, 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 if the end result is right. you kill yourself... Start there. You don't not wake need up to every morning or this take morning out these innocents. making that decision that they're going to take their lives. And, and it's the same with putting a goddamn mask on your face. Right. I, you know, if you want to shop at these institutions and be around these people, literally the least you can do is put a mask on your face. But even better, stay home. Stay home. There's lots of good streaming services. Yeah, but most of them are being throttled right now. Well, the streaming service that, that, strangely enough, that Mr. Mercedes was first broadcast on was... Yes. So it, this actually started on... Yes, so we're going to get into it. So Mr. Mercedes originally aired on a... It's not even a service. It's a channel called Audience, which was... Which I don't even remember. You didn't have access to it. That's why yeah, you but don't I mean, I don't it. remember even hearing about it. You would only hear about it if you had AT&T cable service, which I didn't even know was a thing. So we never had that. So it was never presented to us. I think I may have seen some ads for Mr. Mercedes specifically Uh via like Hulu and stuff like that, where AT&T would put on streaming services in case you wanted this cable package, you could, this would come with it. Uh, Now... It aired three seasons on Audience. In May of 2020, Audience went away. It stopped being a thing. Uh, The series, the three seasons that have been produced, were picked up by Peacock, which is the new, brand new, I think it started in the last three weeks or something, NBC streaming service, which we don't currently have access to. We have a Samsung smart television and an, like a three-year-old Roku, Mm -hmm. and you have a Fire Stick. I think you could maybe get Peacock, but nobody else can get Peacock. Um, So what we did was we purchased this off of Amazon Prime. Uh, It's $17 for the first season. I pretty much knew I was going to love it, so I didn't mind buying it. So I did that. I do believe it is available. We could have watched it on our individual computers, but I like watching these things with you. So we didn't do that. Uh, But I do believe it is available 
on the free version of Peacock, which there is a free version of Peacock, like there's a free version of Hulu, mm-hmm. uh, probably riddled with ads. But if you want to watch it that way, I believe that is an option. As I said, we watched uh, episodes one and two. I really uh, love the source material that these come from. Now, I'm not familiar with it. Yes. What era of Stephen King is this? Late era. Okay, so this is the Cretaceous Stephen King. This is Cretaceous. I guess so. I don't... I'm bad. You know that better than I would. How about that? So this series, this particular series, is based on the book Mr. Mercedes of the same name, which was released uh, June of 2014. So very recently in the scheme of things. Uh, it is the first of a trilogy. Um, and so I, if I start, I try not to read a t- trilogy until a trilogy is complete Completed, because it yeah. is uh, disheartening to me when the trilogy doesn't get completed. <laughs> so if I don't know, like I read the first book of the Passage trilogy, uh-huh. the Justin Cronin trilogy, without knowing it was fixing to be a trilogy. It was just a book that came out and I read it and then I was like, oh no. And then I had to wait two years and then like four years, something like that, for the trilogy to be completed. I did the same in this one. I knew this was going to be the beginning of a trilogy, but it also stands alone. Okay. I, um, I don't know that he intended it to be a trilogy, per se, or as, as much as a series of books. It feels like, you know, in those poker games that he plays with James Patterson, which... Stephen King and James Patterson definitely play a poker together. At least they um, say that they do in the mo- in the show Castle, and I believe it. Uh, <laughs> Everything we know from Castle is true. It's true. That's right. Um, Those two people really love each other. Really do love each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nathan Fillion definitely dresses as his previous characters for Halloween. That was one of my favorite things in Castle. He dressed <laughs> he dressed up as his character from Firefly. <laughs> His daughter was like, it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I loved it. Um, that he was basically starting a series of books with this retired detective. That mm-hmm. was sort of uh, what it felt more of. And there is a closure to this book. It's not like a cliffhanger so or anything like so that. So there's three seasons on... Audience. Audience. and we, Well, now Peacock. But... Yeah. We will not get the entirety of the story. Okay. Now, were each of the seasons based on one of these novels? The first one is, mm-hmm. the second one is, and the third one is based on half of the final novel. Okay. Uh, which is... A strange way to go. Disappointing. All right. Well, I think that they were maybe a little more secure than they should have been. Uh-huh. Um, and they did not finish. That's my understanding, anyways. So... Uh, we like I said, I've only ever seen the first two episodes, but it the the first book is Mr. Mercedes, the second book is Finders Keepers, and the third book is End of Watch. And End of Watch, I believe, was split into two, mm-hmm. and we will we do not currently have an end of it okay. now because it's been picked up by Peacock and they have everything in place. Right, it is entirely possible that Peacock will produce the show coming down the line when. Okay production becomes a thing that you can do. Now, when that will be, who knows? So for now, uh, it stands alone as two and a half books in three seasons. And we're going to we're not going to watch them all straight through. We're going to watch them as they 
uh, happen in this chronolo- chronology okay. the way that we've been doing. So we're going to watch this entire first season, and then we're going to watch some other things, and then we'll come back to it. I believe the next thing we watch, actually, is Castle Rock season one. Okay. And so going into this, I was looking forward to it. It's It's not fantasy horror the way that a lot of other Stephen King stuff is. It is the story of a mass murderer and a, a man who will become a serial killer, basically, and a police detective who's trying to find him. So it's much more grounded. Kind of like a procedural. Yes. It's, mu- it's much more grounded. And one of the things that I like about this production that we're watching is how grounded it is. Um, they're taking a lot of time, and you were saying it's pretty slow, and I... I'm enjoying that, but it might be driving you a little bit crazy. They're taking a lot of time to show the details that you would read quickly in a paragraph. Okay. And it translates on film in a way that I don't think I have seen something adapted do before. So, like, just basic details, right? In the book, there is a couple of brief instances where we hear that Bill Hodges is having some trouble. He's avoiding going to a doctor because he's worried there may be an issue with his prostate. We do, in fact, see him struggling to urinate. Yes. um, Which is not a thing I've ever seen in a television show or a movie before. First of all, they've got a lot of time. They've got 10 hours, basically. And these, these episodes are actually about 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, so they've got, you know, eight and a half hours to tell this whole story. And they're really using that time to do a lot of character development in a way that I'm enjoying. Uh, we'll see. And I think the plot is moving at a pace that I am not bummed out by. We'll see if, like, in many, many series that are ten episodes... There'll be a drag in episodes four to six where they're just trying to get to ten episodes. Well, there was that feeling in the uh, the Kennedy assassination story that we're yes. watching that it was they're just subplots being thrown at you because we have to fill space. We have to well, fill space, right? And characters also invented that word in the novel, right? It does not feel like I'm watching a television program. It feels like I am reading a novel in that there's a lot of very slow sort of development of this character. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are things that will be. And they're doing a lot later. of showing, not telling. Right. It's not a lot of exposition dump. Mm-hmm. They are showing you this stuff so that you understand it. Right. It, in a way that film doesn't often do because yeah. they don't have that time, that kind of time. They don't yeah. have the luxury of eight and a half hours to show you that this dude might be struggling with his prostate or whatever. Like, um, and I am enjoying it. I am liking the choices that are being made, but mm-hmm. I could see where. If you're not enjoying the gestalt <laughs> of it, it's like, could something happen? That'd be great. Now, it does open. We do open an episode one, which is just called Pilot, which is a bummer. There was a whole <laughs> team of experts who came up with that title. Yes, right. They paid a lot of money. Uh, directed by Jack Bender, who... Um, was also a robot in Futurama. A robot in Futurama, yeah. that's right. Actually, this dude... If he talked like Bender from Futurama, Uh I would not be surprised. (laughs) So he's a film or a a television director. Uh, He started on Eight is Enough and The Paper Chase in the late 70s. 
uh, and has uh, he directed a lot of episodes of Lost, a lot of episodes of Under the Dome, and a couple of episodes even of Game of Thrones. So he mm. has been a steady working television director. director. Mm-hmm. He is married to a lady rabbi. So that's a fun fun that's fact. Okay. <laughs> I know, I was just I'm scrolling through his Wikipedia. So that's cool. Um I like that there are lady rabbis. I don't know why there's something about that that makes me happy. And we open um almost exactly the same way that the book opens and that is with a mass killing. Okay. Uh wherein we see somebody coming up to a job fair. It's three o'clock in the morning and already a line has formed outside of this building. It is cold. It is winter. Very much like it is in this room. Yes. It is, it is chilly in here. Um, and he uh, thought he was going to be first, but there are several people in line ahead of him. And he gets in line and he uh, makes some small talk with the people around him. Uh, one of whom, the the woman directly in front of him, is a young lady with a baby. Uh, so we're talking about, oh, this is also set in 2009, uh, just after the last, the beginning of the last recession. Right. So people are desperate for work. Uh, we're also not in Maine, everybody. We are in Ohio, Bridgeton, Ohio, which I believe is a fake town. I don't know that it's the same town as in the book, but... That's fine. Uh, at one point, there's a there's a weather person who says the name Bridgeton, Ohio, like four times. I'm like, I get it. We're in Bridgeton, well, Ohio. Yeah, so trying Thank to you for that so that we will think that you're in Maine. Uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe that is it. And uh, so some time passes. I it it becomes closer to like four thirty in the morning. Um, the the man that we have. Uh, followed up uh, offers his sleeping bag to the young lady and the baby because the baby is soaking wet needs to be changed needs to be warmed up um so he offers her so that she can feed the baby so that she can feed the baby and change in the baby sort of and warm privacy. the baby there's in also some sort of privacy. a guy behind them who's just being kind a of, dick right yeah nobody's thrilled that there's a baby trust me mom's not thrilled she's a baby either she's like you know there's, I have no money for a babysitter. There's, I need a job. Like, there's nothing I can do. This is not an ideal situation for everybody. I understand that, but this, I am desperate, and this is what I need to do to try and secure some sort of future for this child, right? right? Now, in the book, uh, when the incident, the inciting incident happens, some time has passed from that moment and the baby and the mother are asleep okay. um they don't put a lot of time between when the 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 child and the mom get in the sleeping bag and this incident happens so there's more screaming right. <laughs> i think very I heartlessly like, we're treated to well not it's I, it's a rough it's thing. Um, when we went down to when we started to watch it you were like well should we watch it when we start with dinner and i or when we start dinner and i was like if it opens the way the book opens, uh, we should maybe not eat while we watch it. Well, I, I think that Stephen King was just hell-bent on getting that kid run over by the car that he wanted all the way back with a maximum overdrive. Yeah, maybe. And he's going to have it. He's going to have it. There will be a baby smushed under a vehicle. Spoiler alert, baby smushed under a vehicle. So we see a Mercedes pull up. 
we see a little from the inside looking out and a mm-hmm. little from the outside looking in. The lights are on. The car is on. People are like, is it the mayor coming to see us? Or, you know, see his handiwork? Is it just an asshole who put mm-hmm. all his money in the Mercedes? Is it, you know, why? And then and the lights are bright on them. And so right, they're so like they yelling at them and they can't, mm-hmm. but they can't see anything other than the grill of his car. And we see uh, the driver of the vehicle put on a clown mask. Yeah, so he's a juggler? Yes. Okay. And then plow into this group. Now, the the people are separated um, with like almost like a velvet rope. Where, mm-hmm. uh, so they can't just get out. They are packed in. And um, a Mercedes is a very large and heavy car. Right. It's a It's a sedan. And uh, he ends up killing 16 people, including mother and child. And the man we watched walk So all out the characters that we've seen at the beginning of the program are all now dead. Are all now dead, basically. Mm-hmm. basically. And then we see the police um, surveying the scene. Uh-huh. We see our main character, Bill Hodges, played by Brendan Gleeson, who they let have his natural accent, which is the best. It's the best. We are never going to find out why this man has accent in Ohio, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Full on brogue. It's awesome. And his partner is like, uh, you know, they must have lost control. And he's looking around, and he's like, the the driver didn't lose control. This right. was an on purpose deliberate. Thing. And then we two years in the future. So we're in 2011. And we find Bill Hodges asleep midday in his boxers and an undershirt, beer cans everywhere, and he has retired. The Mercedes killer was never found, and really, very little progress was ever made on the case. And he has retired fairly recently and is not doing... He's Super not great at handling retirement really well. His main preoccupations seem to be uh, trying to urinate, yeah, uh, drinking a lot, yeah. and avoiding the um, the sexual exploits of his neighbor. Or well, the... he's he he's not avoiding them yet. He right. hadn't when we meet him. He didn't even know about them yet. Right. So, um, and I don't know how long he avoids. I can't remember. I, that's a. Well, he avoided through the first episode. Thread that I forgot, and second, yes. <laughs> we see him, he's not doing great. He, um, We see him have a couple of meetings with his ex-partner, uh-huh. who is a great actor. Who who is Who plays his partner? Is he Scottish? He might be Irish. <laughs> Crap. Gleason is an Irish name. <laughs> so, probably Ireland, guys. Well, you said Brogue. It goes both ways. Is it? Uh huh. Bro goes both ways. <laughs> Scott Lawrence, who always reminded me of like a drawing. What? He, lo- you know what he looks like? He looks like a political cartoon of Barack Obama, because <laughs> he's got sort of yeah. exaggerated features, um, and a very cool voice. Yeah, and he's been in a bunch of things. He's been in all of the things. I seem to remember him hosting a PBS program when I was a kid about how to be a writer. And, um, yeah, it was a pretty interesting show, and I think that's the first time that I saw him. When you were a kid? Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Not this dude. Well, comparatively. Okay. 
It's not listed with his television credits, but then again, that's edited, so... Oh, but... I wonder if it was self, no. That's weird. I don't know if it was him. Was it him? Anyways, I love this dude. And, uh... And, and, and he has no truck for Bill putting his nose where his nose doesn't belong. Mm. So, um... While we're seeing Bill sort of having, sort of aging and playing place in a bad way, we also are introduced to a young man named Brady. And, uh, spoiler alert, you do, I believe, find out, you know, right? right. He's the Mercedes killer. Oh, yes, we find that <laughs> relatively soon. Yes, okay. So, they're not, they're pretty sort of close to the vest on... To letting you know that this is the Mercedes killer. Now, in that, they don't just come out and say, this is the Mercedes killer. So, um, he is uh, a young man, gangly, uh, bad mom. M- mom, he, he and his mom have a, a bad relationship in that mom keeps trying to touch his private parts. That's not for moms. Uh, he is intrigued and repulsed in, I think, maybe equal measure by these Well, we should point out that his mom is played by Kelly Lynch. His mom is played by Kelly Lynch. um, The sexy nurse from Roadhouse. Okay, I've never seen Roadhouse. Yeah, she has a really weirdly intense for an R-rated film love scene with Patrick Swayze that takes place mounted against a fireplace. It's very weird. She also, she played a lot of kind of sexually outre role. She's the bisexual girl in Three of Hearts who's pining away over her lost girlfriend. She does a lot of great stuff like that. And then she's playing this weirdly... And she's very broken down. She's clearly right. an alcoholic. Drunk and horny mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, yeah. it's very it's, weird and uncomfortable. It's a um, And I'm not sure exactly what we're aiming towards here. There's been a history of molestation... Or this is just boredom because she doesn't want to leave the house and get dressed and find a man. I don't know. It's unclear. Yes. <laughs> Whether she has no other options or she wants no other right. options is unclear. So his cast of characters. So first of all, he's played by Harry Treadaway, um, who is in the Penny Dreadful show as Victor Frankenstein, yeah. which is a show that we should watch at some point, but have not. We started it, but we didn't get far into it. I think we got past the first episode, I think. That He's were... also a twin, and his brother uh, won the Olivier Award for um, the the London run of Curious Incident of the Dog in the Eye oh, Time. Okay. So, which is a play that we saw. is very good. Very difficult to play. I think that's... Uh, there's a fucking fine line you have to walk. There's also a real physical element that must be uncomfortable to kind of walk around with every day. Yeah, yes. So he... Um, I haven't seen him in a lot of things. I thought I might recognize him from something. But this is basically it. He's also... He's going to be in Star Trek Picard, or he is in Star Trek Picard. Right. So... Um, if and when we watch that, we will see him. So, and his sort of cast of characters around him, he's pretty much a, a loner. Mm-hmm. But the people that we see him with are his mother, which Kelly Lynch, as we said, his lesbian coworker, who I say that like that's her defining character characteristic, because in fact that is. 
Well, there, her defining characteristic two, in this. There's two characteristics in here that define her. One of which is her her need to talk shit all the time. That seems to be part of it. And the other of which is that she's a lesbian and everyone is giving her grief for being a lesbian. And yes. It's, she's I, constantly arguing against right. um, gay bashers. Right. And she's, she stands, you know, she doesn't... Uh, she wrote, does not read overtly she, lesbian she, to me. I mean, I, she doesn't. She's Maybe for the Midwest she reads as a lesbian? Maybe. So I think she... I don't know if she is... The actress is Brita Wool, mm-hmm. and I have seen her in an episode or in a season of Unreal, which is a bonkers show that I loved. Okay. Uh, she also played somebody who turned out to be a lesbian in that show, so I'm wondering if uh, she's an out mm-hmm. woman who, um, likes you know who who tries to play right. lesbians. Or not, it's unclear to me, and uh, her mini bio isn't telling me. So maybe it's none of my business. So, but she's very good. Um, and then, then the other, and, and is a co worker with him at uh, the, they're basically like the fix it guys at a Best Buy or whatever. Right. And she works alongside him there, and then they have a boss who, uh, I don't, I can't find who plays, because I can't remember the name of the character, who plays that character, but it very much feels like the Ed Helms character from um, the Hangover movies, Mm -hmm. and he kind of resembles him a little bit with some facial hair, and this dude um, is is too young to be acting the way that he acts. He's the general manager, and he comes down hard on both of his employees uh, for different reasons. Uh, but the, basically, the constant push is, if we don't have good customer service, uh-huh. uh, we're going to go out of business. Right. <laughs> he, he was a hard character to take. In 2011 uh-huh. is correct, but he's also constantly, like, harping on these two people like they're his kids Yeah. in a really inappropriate way for a boss, <laughs> where you're just There's, like... Um, uh, it, you don't get to talk to people like that, actually. Because really he, he goes on... Sort of these sort of tears, particularly to Brady, I guess, right? Yes. Um, about how he needs to stop being creepy, how he needs to be a different kind of person, how he's going to help him with his life skills. He reminded me a lot of a boss I used to have, mm. who I was both older and smarter than, but kept trying to tell me, you know, you come across as kind of a jerk, and people will like you more if you do it, things this you'd way. Smi- if you'd smile more. Right. And, yeah. and my contention was, yeah, but I... I don't necessarily need people to like me because I don't need their. I mean, and right? I, I'm not here to make friends. In the end of it, it was just like me confronting him, going, "I, you seem to need people to like you. I don't." Um, my, yeah, and I'm not asking for right. your input on this. I'm being professional, and so professionalism counts for more than an incompetent person who basically gets everyone to like them. And then he stopped talking to me, which is great because that's what I wanted. Um, Feels like it might have been a run. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna try right. this. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could I hear certain of these things come out of it. So, so that's sort of Brady's world. Brady's uh, got this obnoxious boss, this co-worker who's actually pretty cool. That's Lou. That's a lesbian right. co-worker. The mom who's a big problem. Right. He also has a second job uh, wherein he drives a ice cream truck. Creepy. So that's Brady's sort of 
And then he's got a basement lair. Basement lair. Um, which is a common thing for basement Stephen King. Basement lair. <laughs> yes. And he does live in his mother's house and have a lair in her basement. So there's some stereotyping happening here. Bill's circle of people. Let's talk about Bill's circle of people. Bill uh, would like to just be left alone, but that's not going to happen. His neighbor is Ida. She is played by Holland Taylor, who is doing some excellent work and is currently trying to get Bill to have sex with her. Uh, A, because she doesn't want Bill to die alone in his home, and B, he's very convenient. <laughs> I, I just like the idea that there's, it's so great. there's an attractive woman who lives next door to you who's sending you pictures of herself. Nudes! Nudes, and she's very proud of these pictures because she's kept herself up, in her words. Yes. She's very meticulous about this. And she's it's so good. Yeah, she's trying. She's, and then she gets upset that he's not looking when at the pictures. When he looks at her, and he's like affronted by the fact that uh-huh. he is, she has handed him her phone with her nude body on it. Right. He she comes over later because she's like, "You hurt my feelings. I need you to look at this picture and tell me how nice I look." And I'm just like, "What is wrong with this? This person right. has something wrong with them." But she's the best. And I, I just. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, that was the funniest dynamic to me of the entire program. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, then we have uh, uh, Jerome Robinson, played by Jerrell Jerome. I'm uh-huh. going to fuck that up. So his name is Jerome in the show. His last name is Jerome in real life. A young kid who's fixing to go to college, and I believe Yale or Harvard, he got into a good school because he's a smart kid. He's good with computers. That's going to be his role in this. He also does uh, the lawn. <laughs> he cuts right. his lawn. Um, and they're, they've got a friendly relationship. Uh, apparently in the book, well, in, not apparently, in the book, Jerome does, uh, sort of leans into the Yes Massa uh-huh. jokes really? oh, okay. with, uh, with Bill. I don't know that they're going to le- lean into that. And Bill keeps going, don't do that. Like, uh-huh. Don't do that. Like, first, don't lower yourself like that. Uh-huh. And second, it's not really funny. Like, I am paying you to do this right. work. Like, could you, like, if you don't want to, that's cool. But, like, could you not? Um, also, we have Pete, uh, Bill's ex-partner. Right. Uh, so, two black men in his life. So, that's pretty good. In Ohio, not bad. For an Irishman. Irish. We're going to go with Irish. Then... Um, going to be introduced to, uh, in the second episode, I believe. Uh, we have the people around the Mercedes killer case. Uh, specifically, we have Olivia Trelawney, who in the current t- 2011 uh, portion of our story is dead. She has committed suicide. Right. It was her car. It was her vehicle. Okay. And um, there is indication that she was pushed to suicide. That character is played, it's going to be in flashbacks only, it's played by Anne Cusack. Uh, so another Cusack person in a Stephen King work. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And, well, we saw her. You saw her. No, no, I did, but I had no connection. I didn't know that she was connected to the other Cusacks. I believe she is. Is she not? Joan and John... Uh, Joan and John. John. I was like, yep, so you were right. You had it. it. <laughs> um, let me make sure that... I believe that they are... She is related to them. And then 
her sister. Sorry, I want to find the cast on the show is going to be pretty intense going through. Um, first, prove to myself that Anne Cusack is related to yeah, the Cusacks. She was in Gross Point Blank. That makes me think. Oh, okay. Sister of John, Joan, Susie, and Bill. So, yes. I didn't even know there were that many other Cusacks. Well, I don't believe Susie and Bill are actors. So, Olivia Trelawney, owner of the vehicle, now deceased. We also have Janie Patterson, Olivia Trelawney's sister, played uh-huh. by Mary Louise Parker. Very excited to see her. Something going on with her face and its inability to move. It's oh, weird around her mouth. I don't know what's going on. But she's always, uh, I've always liked her for being an oddball actress. Yes. So, yeah, that might even be a choice she's making. I, it might be, yes. I have seen her do really strange physical things for a part. So, always fun to see. Uh, yeah. So, that those are right now the two people involved with the Mercedes killing that we see. So, okay. that's our sort of current cast of characters. Am I... When I get everybody, I, I think, think I got, got everybody. all of the main characters, yeah. So, we're flashing back and forth between Bill and Brady. Uh-huh. And Bill is getting messages uh-huh. from someone who purports to be the Mercedes killer uh, and who he believes actually is because there are details within the messages that were not released to the public. Excuse me. I have to say, this this kind of leaving video messages, it reminded me of, what was the film? Um, Copycat. Interesting. I haven't seen Copycat in a long time. I yeah. love that movie and I want to see it again because I feel like I don't remember it very well. Uh-huh. And I really liked it. I thought it was a really well done movie. Right. Um, so in the book, it starts with a letter. He gets a letter, like a, uh-huh. like a hand, like a <laughs> delivered letter. In this, it is via email and then via these sort of ads uh-huh. that he's seeing. And then, um, we're there, then we're going to go into this chat room area, uh, under Debbie's blue umbrella, which is what it is in the book as well, which okay. is a, I, I don't, it's a, it's a, in this, it's like an encrypt. It's a way to send and receive messages without being, um, being totally anonymous. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you aim your your messages at somebody, but they can't see who you are. Yeah. So it feels like a dark web type thing. I don't know if it's based on anything. Um, you think, with my knowledge of the internet, I would know, but I don't. Um, well, you and, don't travel in that area no. of the internet either. And they get pretty. You know, they get into that pretty quickly. But he's on the computer. He does, uh, You know, uh, Bill doesn't know a lot about his computer. He can check his email and right. things like that. But he's getting these video messages and these emails that are sort of deleting themselves. And mm-hmm. so he brings Jerome in to help him try and figure it out. Because he says, you know, do you know about computers? And he's like, you know that I do. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to Yale to study computers. Like, mm. But, you know, we've got to ask these questions, right? And he also is sort of reinsinuating himself in the police. Right. Um, into the, uh, well, into the into, investigation, which right. is not... Not currently active. Pete says it's active, but yeah. Bill kind of knows what that means. And he, he does, he's like, 
they, you know, he's asking him, you know, did we ever release information about the clown mask, for mm-hmm. instance? Um, he's asking him um, about the death of Olivia Trelawney. Right. Uh, he's, which is a recent development. She has committed suicide, and and they think it's because she realizes that she left her keys in the car, and so she is partially to blame. And it is insinuated in the messages from Brady that he sort of pushed her. And so he wants to know if Olivia received any letters or anything from the Mercedes killer mm-hmm. to maybe... Because in, in the letters to himself or to, to Bill, he's saying, you know, you're watching, are you, you're putting on a lot of weight. Looks like you're drinking a lot. Have you ever put that uh, revolver in your mouth? Because he does still have his gun. And Mm -hmm. in the book, you do actually see a scene where he does do that. Um, So, and and it is a fairly common thing with retired police, I think. It would have been a cliche at this point to see that again. I don't, I think that might be why they didn't show it. It is definitely a thing that they're ri- that's written into the book, but we uh-huh. haven't seen that. And I also don't know that they want to show that on television. Like, uh-huh. I don't know that they want to... I think it would be triggering to people in in, in some ways, that in a way that... Yeah, I know, mm. I know. It's a... I, that word is not, problematic around guns. I mean, guns. Sure. Well, not just that, but it's like so much else happens in this film. Yes. Uh, just in the two episodes that we saw. And the fact that Brady is calling out these things, or that the Mercedes killer mm-hmm. is calling out these things that we know are, or tr- other things that we know are true. Mm-hmm. We, we're, and then um, at one point, uh, there's a, a tennis ball in his yard that when he picks it up, it's got a smiley face on it, which is sort of the signature of the Mercedes killer. Um, and, he um, starts. He he goes into Brady's workplace uh-huh. actually to buy a security system, but he doesn't have it. He has Jerome helping right. set it up, which good. But then we do see that Brady is in fact the uh, ice cream man in his neighborhood. So that is how he can put eyes on him, on him and taunt him. And it seems like Brady. You know, he talks about how he wore a condom during the killing in case he uh, got overexcited and he didn't want to leave any DNA evidence. Uh, and and we see that he, the thrill of that original killing, which apparently he also recorded because he does send video well, of video that. Of, of the and and you, you see him watching it as well. That two years on... It's starting to erode, and it is possible that he is k- trying to kill others around it to uh-huh. sort of extend the life of that one crime, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and so then, at the end of this, um, of the second series, second episode, I'm kind of blending them all right. together because it kind of is it's it, one it story. Seems so to be very continuous. There doesn't seem to be a clear break between the information you get in the first right, and second episode. Right. Right. So uh, we see uh, Bill talking to Janie, who mm-hmm. is uh, Mary Louise Parker, and she thinks that Olivia was pushed. Encouraged? Yes, encouraged. Okay. Encouraged to kill herself. Um, and so they're going to go look through her stuff to see if they can find any 
right. indication of that. So that's okay. where we're going into the third third episode. But that's we've set it up where we know we know who's hunting and we know who's hu- being hunted, right. and we know that the one that's being hunted is also doing a little hunting on his own. Yeah. So they're kind of going back and forth. Uh, Brady seems to have the upper hand right now because he knows all the players, and of course, Bill doesn't know. Bill doesn't know what's going who on. Who is? But he knows something's going on, and he gets into that. The closing shot of the second episode, he gets into that under Debbie's blue umbrella, as Kermit Frog nineteen, because his real given name is Kermit. <laughs> She's very Irish. This is very Irish, and he hadn't been called. And that's the thing. He had. Brady knows this. Bill hadn't been called Kermit since he left Ireland. Mm-hmm. That is the last time somebody called him Kermit. So Brady has done significant research into Bill Hodges. Like he is an object of obsession at this point. Um, and so Bill gets in and is, and sends a little note to like, let's play fucker. <laughs> let's do this. And that's where we stand with the first two episodes of season one. And I am really enjoying it. I know that it is going slow. I also know where it's going, so I don't feel in a rush to get there. Right. Um, how are you feeling about it? Um, it? I'm enjoying it, I think, at times. Um, at times, the characters are almost a little grotesque, the mom. Yeah, the mom is, that is a grotesque um, thing. And I think what they want is that you don't just hate Brady. Right. Like, right. I think they want to give him a little bit of roundness. Now, basic sexual abuse is a pretty cliche way to cliche, do that. here the mom is Kelly Lynch, which is, it's not like Eddie Kasparak's mom. Do you think they're right? using mom. Kelly Lynch for what Kelly Lynch has been known for right. previously? Right, that's why I mentioned the other parts like, that she's done. Um, and so it's not like where, you know, Eddie's mom, yeah, I could totally see her as also a person who fondles her child. But here we're using this sort of sexy, youngish actress to play that part, and it almost feels sort of exploitational. Um, and I, but I do like bits like, I do like, um, uh, Lou, Lou, Lou Ladder, yeah, right, her character. I like the fact that when she sees, well, Brady sets up his boss uh, to have some sort of uh, oh, electrocutes yes. him. Brady, yes, sets. Basically, he causes his computer to explode. That's the other thing is uh-huh. Brady is very smart with with tech, right? right? He's a weird dude, but he is smart with tech. So he he has created a. That he calls it thing two, uh-huh. and it will open. It, it will turn on and off all manner of things, and including all you know. It gets into any garage. It can open any garage, which we know is a problem for this dude. It it can also um, turn streetlights green and red. Mm-hmm. So it he is. And he's pitching it to his mother like, I'm going to sell this to the military and we're going to be rich off of it. Which is not not a possibility, but it's also not actually a possibility. 2014. 2014. Yeah. I'm curious because he really seems And it does take place in 2009 and 2011. Mm -hmm. Like, it is 
yeah. in the past a bit. His character seems to me very much to be kind of the um, that kind of Kyle Rittenhouse troubled youth thing, yeah. although with more sexual problems, because Stephen King seems to put sexual problems at the center of trauma for his I villains. mean, now he'd definitely be an incel, right? right. Like, Yeah, that's the impression I got. And, um, and also he's got a layer of computers. Right. Where he's actually also making things. Like, he's doing splatter effects, yeah. like, on an effects wall. Like, he's doing actual effects. It's not... Yeah. He's not just in the computer hearing from these other... You know, getting getting inundated by these other people telling him how to think and whatever. Uh-huh. He's, like, a creative, like, in a weird way. Like, right. yeah. And then, like I said, he made... he. the end of the day... The boss apparently likes to go in and use the his work computer to masturbate with, which there's a lot of masturbation. If there is a, there's already been a lot of masturbation. On I, the show, which so also sorry about that. I don't need to see this. Um, and well, he does that at the end of one day after just being a total dick to Brady every day. Brady makes his computer explode. Right. Nobody knows that that's that he made him do it. Although I think Lou might have. Well, that's, that's an the inkling. reason why. Yeah, that's what um, you were saying. I brought up Lou is that she when she sees Brady's complete lack of concern whether or not uh, their boss is really hurt. Um, she kind of gives him a look like, "Is something wrong with you?" You know, she's all in on embarrassing. There's a tone that you're picking up. I don't know what that is, and I. But we definitely hear it too. Hopefully, the mics won't pick it up. So, right. okay, sorry. Go ahead. She w- it wonders at his lack of concern, sort of real well, concern, and wonders of, how right. how off he might actually be. There's a lack of empathy there, and she picks up on that, and she sort of gives him this look as if to say, uh, "Why aren't you more concerned of whether or not you're, he's seriously hurt?" A practical joke is one thing, and she's all in on embarrassing or like clapping back at people who are being inappropriate, but this right. seemed to be, you know, you lay in wait for him, you sprung this on him, and now he might actually be hurt. So, yes. yeah, th- there was a moment of her recognition that something might she's be wrong. like, whoa. Yeah. Because like, his response is odd. He right. has an odd response to the situation, yeah. And that that happens towards the end of that second yeah, episode as well. Those, those are the two things where that happens, and then we cut to Bill just yeah. signing on and just being like, "Bring it on!" So yeah, I'm I'm enjoying parts of it so far. I think that I don't know how much time I'm going to spend watching this man try to urinate. Or I mean, not. <laughs> I don't think that much. Yeah, I, I I'm I think what I'm being led into is this sort of cat and mouse. And the world of yeah. all these people around him, and and Bill is having like it's starting to get to him. There's a there's a scene or an extended little piece where, um, you know, he set up these security um, things because he knows he's being watched. Right? right, it's clear that the the person at least purporting to be the Mercedes killer and who he believes is the Mercedes killer has physical eyes on him. Right, right. so he hears a commotion in the back and he pulls his gun. He's also been drinking. He pulls his gun on a teenage neighbor who is trying to sneak back into his house. And uh, Ida comes over and has him drink more whiskey so that the alcohol on his breath 
has a reason so he can say, yes, she came and right. I steadied my nerves after this or whatever. Yeah. And, um, but both Ida and Pete are like, you pointed your gun at a child. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. So you need whatever you need to do to make that shit not happen again. That's what you need to do. Both of them are very concerned for him. Pete's kind of pissed off, but yeah. Ida's like legitimately like. First of all, I think she she does like she does care for him, and mm-hmm. she is like more than just physically interested in him. But she like she's like this is like a good guy, yeah. and he's going a bad way. And her husband did not take to retirement well and died. V- relatively quickly and she doesn't want to see that happen to him to to bill Mm -hmm. she also you know makes cracks about how you know if they find your body after a week my property value is going to take a hit right so like but as a neighbor and as a friend and as a possible love interest i care about this person i'm trying to keep them from winding up in jail or dead um which is a nice relationship to have it's i like Maybe, uh, well, what I appreciate about that dynamic is that we've seen a thousand romantic relationships that start in these sort of unlikely ways, but this really feels honest, like two older people being practical. Yeah. Well, um, she's like, look, yeah. I, I like to sleep in my own bed by myself. Right. Um, it's rude to kick people out, um, but I'm still, you know, I still have a sex drive. Uh-huh. I still look good. I'm keeping it right and tight over here. <laughs> Look at my naked body. Look at it. <laughs> You're very convenient. You're mm-hmm. charming. You're not terrible looking. Right. You, could, you could lose a few pounds. Like she's not. Right. She's not. She's she. They're pragmatic no, about right, it. Idealizing this relationship. Right. And she's like, sex would be good for both, like physically yeah. and emotionally, good for both of us. And if we both know what the fuck we're getting into, yeah. You know, so, and I like that. And, and the fact that they are both in their 60s, 70s, and or 80s uh, is rad. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a very cool aspect to this. And it's not treated like a joke. Yeah. You know, it's funny, but it's not treated well, as a joke. Well, what's funny is not that there are older people who are fighting this yeah, relationship. Yeah, like, could you believe that? <laughs> no, it's more like there are older people who are fighting this, or she is at least, working this very pragmatic, non-romantic yeah. way of saying that she wants to be involved with him. She's like, I've had the love of my life. Right. I'm not looking. That's yeah. not what this is about. This is about, you know, aerobics and... Uh, Uh, and just you know a better quality of life you know so and i i love it i'm i'm really enjoying that aspect and i love holland taylor i really really like her um so more of her yes please in all the things so that's where we're at two episodes in i'm enjoying it very much yeah i'll see where we go with it uh, we're going to watch the next two episodes for next episode, or for mm-hmm. our next single episode. Right. Uh, and those two episodes, and we'll probably be talking about it similarly as chunks, mm-hmm. uh, by rather than dividing it, because it is one big story. Right. And so it's easier to sort of hold it together by, um, by chunk. Sorry, my list of episodes was only the last two seasons, so that's dumb. So next week... We will be watching Cloudy with a Chance of Mayhem and Gods Who Fall, which are the next two episodes. Uh, Episode four is the first one written by Dennis Lehane. That'll be good. 
I like the rest of my handwriting, so we'll see how it goes. And we will see if uh, Bill can catch Brady. Probably not, y'all. Probably not yet. <laughs> Given that it's only two episodes no, three and four. No. But we'll see if uh, Brady starts uh, acting out a little bit more because he's desperate for some attention or just that killing feeling or whatever it is that causes people like this to do the things they do. Uh, in the meantime, do you have anything that you would like to recommend to our listeners? I have a very strange one. Awesome. And it's going to be maybe nostalgia, and I don't know if the people who listen to our show are the sort of people who have any nostalgia for this. I got dragged into a documentary last night called Mucho Mucho Amor, The Legend of Walter Mercado. Mucho Mucho Amor. More. Um, this is Spanish. And yes, it thank is you. about a... And again, I'm not sure that anybody in our audience would know who this is. There was a phenomenally popular astrologer who would appear on Spanish-language television, had a huge audience that spread all over the world um, and all over the United States. And he he dressed in these... He, I, I, it's very difficult to describe him. I never saw his show. He would just make appearances in these long, elaborate capes, some of them made by Isaac Mizrahi, covered in jewels, uh, giving these, doing these weird kind of hand gestures. He was very androgynous, which was a big part of uh, his performance. And this is the story of his sort of rise and fall. And um, it's done both by people who knew him, people who grew up watching him with their grandmas or something, and they're talking about his place as... It doesn't seem like he actually has a sexuality. He keeps saying that he doesn't, so it's, he might be androgynous and asexual. And asexual, right. But he really took sort of Liberace's or... Um, uh, I, I can only think of a couple of people. David Bowie that just went full androgynous where he's wearing capes at times. He's wearing covered in rhinestones and actual pearls. Mm. And he's giving these astrological readings. And this wasn't even what he did. He was a television actor in Puerto Rican um, serials, mm. like telenovelas. Right. And some clips of him show a real ham. I mean, right. he puts William Shatner's worst overacting to shame. He bites yeah. his fingers. He stares off in the distance. And he'd also been a flamenco dancer, which is where the strange hand movements come from. And he wound up doing an interview. He was doing a local play. He did a lot of theater. Dressed as an Indian prince. Hindu Indian prince. Mm -hmm. And so he was in heavy makeup and in this, this sort of exotic garb. They put him in, like, yellow face? Well, something like that. Mm. And so he's being interviewed for this performance and uh, on a local television station. And instead of talking about the program, they start asking him questions about astrology because this is his, uh, his great love, is astrology and making not necessarily predictions, but lifestyle well, being a lifestyle coach for people based on their astrolog astrological symbols. Okay. And after 15 minutes where he just sort of went around the studio just asking people, what's your, uh, you know, what's your sign? Well, this means this and that and that. It was so popular the next that people flooded the television station with phone calls saying, you have to have that strange Indian prince back. And he's like, I'm not Indian, I'm not prince. Right. But he wound up creating this sort of, again, very 
oddly androgynous, very over-the-top, flamboyant character, mm-hmm. that he even admits himself, A, as a character, and B, it's like, yeah, I was doing all these stupid things to get your attention. But it almost feels like the Edna, what's her name? The the actor that dressed as the woman, right. but wasn't in the any English way actor, trans. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But in this case, he really... Lady, Dame yeah. Edna... Oh, I forgot. He genuinely was androgynous and has all these other qualities to him which made him sort of a specialized performer, but then he took it into this direction of of being a uh, astrologer and fortune teller. Yeah. But instead of being sort of doom and gloom, he's talking about people and encouraging them and giving them life choices. And, you know, uh, just, it, it was an interesting program because I'd never really given him a lot of consideration and wondered why he disappeared so abruptly from television when he was really at a huge popularity. Mm-hmm. People would tune in by the millions to watch him every day. Wow. And there were groups in places, and that was uh, one of the things that his agent says. There were places where we didn't know had a Spanish-speaking community, not just in the United States, like groups in Holland and and in other, you know, Britain and places where we don't associate that with having a community that spoke Spanish or would find him important. Right. And he winds up. There's pictures of him with Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton, and just giving them, you know, his the, the benefit of his. Very theatrical astrological readings. Right. So it's an interesting program. I think that if you've ever seen this guy, and he's in memes everywhere now, apparently. Oh, okay. He has a whole second life. Interesting. Um, he, uh, there's a really interesting moment where Lin-Manuel Miranda uh-huh. is interviewed and gets to meet him. And he's practically in tears because he's always, he's like, this is a, it's like I'm going into television world. Right. Because I've only seen this person in this box as right. this very theatrical over-the-top performer. He doesn't almost seem like, like a, It's almost like meeting a cartoon or right, something. which is exactly how he puts it, and it's it's very emotional for him, because apparently he's a very charismatic person in person, too. And when I believe you're, that, yeah. When you're watching the this very theatrical performance, even though it's not my type of thing, it was actually really compelling, mm. because he really, he doesn't believe in the theatricality of what he's doing, but he certainly does believe, honestly, in the fact that he was put on Earth to make people feel better and give them guidance. Right. So, like I said, even he admits, oh, yes, I'm doing these really goofy things to get people's attention, but I just want to tell them that they're loved. So, it, yeah, I didn't expect at all to be drawn into it, but it, was, it turned out to be really compelling. So if you have any interest in watching kind of a documentary of a very unusual person... Do you remember where it was? It Mucho was on Netflix. Netflix. On Netflix, okay. And, yeah, Mucho Mucho Amor, The Legend of Walter Mercado. And it is really kind of interesting and compelling and anybody who grew up watching Spanish language television, anybody who's Puerto Rican, for God's sakes, <laughs> yeah, will have like these memories of this guy. And, you know, even I think in the outside world being interviewed by Howard Stern or Sally Jesse Raphael or all, oh, okay. all these people, very 80s kind of 90s presentation, seeing all these people and how much he impacted everybody yeah. and how because of his androgyny, he was really, especially in the 80s, uh, really was an icon to the gay community, even if he never came out. Um, so there's that element. There's that. There's a huge uh, sort of trans element following him because he just put it right. out there. Right. So he's a he's a really interesting. It's a really interesting documentary. So do you have something you want to recommend? Do I have something I want to recommend? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to recommend, I recommended it to you yesterday, I will recommend it here as well. Um, I was listening to 
the Memory Palace, which okay. is a fantastic wonderful. podcast yes. that I love very much. And I don't know how I missed it when he announced it the first time, but on the latest episode, he talked about the latest episode was his favorite episode of 2020, which mm-hmm. was uh, he usually he releases it later in the year, but he wanted to release it now because we're having a hard time. And he was like, even if I do something I like better, mm-hmm. this is the one I'd want you to do. And it's 20. 22nd episode or 20 22nd stories that you can wash your hands along to. Okay. Um, and that, that episode is very good. So I recommend that episode, but more than that, he talks about how he has started this podcast with Karina Longworth of, you must remember this. Right. And they're talking about films that they just never saw for whatever reason. Okay. Uh, and, the sh- the so the, that podcast is called it's the pictures that got small mm-hmm. which the, is a reference to Sunset Boulevard is it yeah um, and there's only twelve of them they made them between like March and June of this year they may be making more mm-hmm. I don't know right uh, but as of right now there are like are eleven of them I think the twelfth is like the intro. And the first one is Castaway with Ryan Johnson, the director, mm-hmm. also Karina Wallenberg's husband, so a pretty easy get for them. And just none of them had ever seen Castaway, or or the, wow. the guest that they had had never seen Castaway. And so then they talk about what they thought the movie was going to be, what the movie actually was, their feelings about it. There's a little trivia game. It's 40 minutes. It's a it's a fun okay. little podcast. It like I'm I said, really there's only eleven of when them. When she's not practicing rehearsals, she sp- says fuck a lot, <laughs> right. like way more than I thought she would. Mm. Uh, that that is my big takeaway about Karina Longworth. But uh, they both also have very soothing voices. So I've mm-hmm. been listening to this to go to sleep uh, because Nate Mayo has a very uh, and Nate Mayo is also every time I hear him. It's very scripted as well. And so it is nice to hear them in a more of an informal Mm -hmm. um, setting, talking about movies, doing little trivia games. I love a trivia game. So I do recommend that podcast. It's called It's the Pictures That Got Small. Uh, Very short run Mm -hmm. so far. Uh, But I am enjoying these quarantine podcasts, these podcasts that people are making uh, well, it's, it's creativity. It's yeah. coming out from corners and under cracks. It's kind of like um, a brick driveway that we used to have, and there were the urgency of flowers and weeds growing Going through the through bricks. it, yeah, yeah. You find a way. And, and podcasting is a thing. Like, a lot of people are like, we never wanted to do things where the guests weren't in studio, so we mm-hmm. just didn't have guests. And now right. they're like, well, nobody's in studio, so fuck it. We can right. go, and we can we can aim for the moon with guests because people are home yeah. with recording equipment. Yeah. So, you know, the yeah. people that you never thought you would get, you can get now, maybe. I mean, maybe, not necessarily, but it is a possibility. So that's happening a lot. You know, I listen to the uh, Stay F. Homekins mm-hmm. podcast, which is Paul F. Tompkins and his wife, Janie Haddad Tompkins, uh, just chatting on a Friday night about, you know, still being in quarantine together. And I like Paul uh, a lot, and so any extra Paul I can get in my life. Janie's lovely. I didn't know her. She's an actress, but yeah. I, I, I don't. I mean, having the, the same 
uh, the art of action. I think I mentioned it before with Scott Adkins. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, uh, bringing back not just '80s action stars, but current people like um, like Tony Jaa, because they can't get on a set. Right. So they're like, <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. And then uh, just recently, Vidya uh, Jamwal, who's an Indian action hero and martial artist. Oh, rad. And who's not as well known here, but the guy is somewhere between parkour and martial arts. And uh, he's really um, pushing the ancient Indian martial art of Kalari Payitu. Okay. Don't ask me to say it twice. No, nope, we won't. Um, but it's a, an Indian village martial art that really is one of the ancestor martial arts that were taken from India to China that created Kung Fu. Oh, interesting. So okay. it's very similar in a lot of ways. To like, It's very gymnastic and involves a, a dozen weapons. It's really similar. And so there was an, uh, he put him on the show, A, to show off, you know, this young man has a remarkable physique, for one thing. He seems to have so a 12 So this is pack. like in a YouTube thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and he does that, too. So, yeah, it's like all these people, these are action stars. They're sitting at home working out all the time. They don't really have another outlet. So being that they're not working on a film, this is the time to catch up with everyone from Steven Seagal, who is yeah. re- remarkably cogent in this interview. Weird. Because sometimes he's just sort of... He has a bit lately, yeah. <laughs> and here he came off as humble and apologetic at times for his behavior, which is really strange, but um, yeah, just talking to everyone from that genre and then the newer stars, and so that's been kind of fun too, but same thing, two guys on the screen talking, having this conversation, or two guys, Cynthia Rothrock also was on it too, so good stuff. Oh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, so I'm liking a lot of these yeah. these quarantine um, shows to listen to, the the way that they're coming up with New and creative ways. Yeah, creative ways to um, interact in this time where we shouldn't be interacting. Yeah. So, safe ways. Safe, also. Safe. Safe. All right. So, that's that, I think. Uh, next week, episodes three and four of Mr. Mercedes. Mr. Mercedes. Um, also, uh, oh, in the same line, I wanted to say, because this comes out on Thanksgiving, if you like the McElroy brothers at all, uh, they do a yearly podcast that only drops on Thanksgiving Day, <laughs> so it's out today. It's called Till Death Do Us Blart. <laughs> okay. Where every American Thanksgiving, from now until the end of time, Justin Travis and Griffin Ma- McElroy, along with Tim Batt and Guy Montgomery, watch and review Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. So Tim and Guy do, do this podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time, where... They watch the same terrible movie every week for a year. Oh my god, that's horrible! Why would <laughs> yes. you do that to they've, yourself? They've changed the format because it broke them a little bit. Um, but now they're they've done they've blown this up into a yearly thing crossover with uh, the McElroys, where they're doing that, but it's every, it's once a year. Uh, that would just be. Horrifying. They started in 2015. How did they choose the bad movie? Well, I don't know how it started. I don't. I, I, I mean, don't know that. They just like in this case, I don't know. They drew it out of a hat. I don't know why uh, they decided Paul Blart Mall Cop Two, but that's the movie. And most of them, when this started, at least, had never seen Paul Blart Mall Cop, uh, the original film. <laughs> so they started on a sequel. Uh, that this year will be provided that they release it, and I think that they will will be episode five. So you could listen to the whole series at this point, <laughs> up to five. Uh, they all get different things. Sometimes they 
invite other people to watch along with them, uh, their kids. <laughs> they've, they've, they've had yeah. kids in the meantime and things. So um, it's a it's a very weird podcast. It's a very weird I, I idea. having a really bad night where I, when I was married um, and my then wife invited her friend and later boss and her friend's niece to watch a movie and they went out to... I forget exactly where the rental place was, and they rented The Other Sister. Oh, yeah, I I misguidedly liked that movie when I was young. That was, (laughs) and I, you've seen me, I think, you know, The People That Time Forgot is a great film. I love that movie. Or, you know, some of the camera versus Yeah, you like a bad movie. Not a bad movie, they're entertaining Mm, movies. I'm really having fun with it. But I watched The Other Sister, and there was a moment in the middle of that film where I thought, oh, my God, I want to die. This is so bad. It's, I can't imagine wanting to see that movie every week. Right. Oh and The God. Other Sister is problematic as fuck, too. Yeah. I, like I said, I went through a phase in my life, my young life, where I really did like that movie, and now I'm like... Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I, I couldn't... I, I was just... I was literally just agonized watching that film. Here's what you can do. Leave. Well, no, I I was brought up a different way where I felt (laughs) like I had to be polite and play along with everybody else. And there were two really bad movies um, that I saw. One of them was at a Halloween party and you were there, and you just stepped I up. left. I was like, I don't want to watch this movie. This we, we had a vote, uh-huh. which was fine. Mm-hmm. It didn't go my way. Also fine. Y'all can watch this movie. I don't want to. I'll be in my room. And I don't even remember what it was. It was a Peter Jackson film, Dead Alive, I it think. Was, I think it was Dead Alive. And, you know, you had all these choices for Halloween. We had Suspiria in the house, but there were just a bunch of, you know, young people who really wanted to see something they thought would be funny, and the film was just Yeah, I bounced. Awful. I was just like, I don't want to watch this movie. And, and it, Peter Jackson... And I don't want to... Right. And if you don't want to watch what I want to watch, that's fine. I will go elsewhere and right. do what I want to do. I just, like, I couldn't... I just thought, oh, no, I hit... Well, these are the rules. This is a game we're playing. It was just bad, and so... I've since then, every time there's a movie I don't want to watch, I just walk out now. Just leave. Like, but I did it. I literally did it the other day when uh-huh. you guys were watching the last episode of Monsterland, and I didn't want. I only like to watch that show one episode at a time. You uh-huh. all wanted to watch two. I didn't want a harsher mellow or whatever. Right. But I was like, well, I'll just bounce. I've yeah. got somewhere else I can be. Bye. Yeah, but <laughs> I guess when I was younger, and again coming from a family, it's like every man made. There was one television set, and everyone mm-hmm. made television choices together. And that is why I leave now. I was uh, in the same position, and yeah. I couldn't leave. And now I'm a well, grown just, person it, with a door. It suddenly occurred so. to me at 51 years of age that I can do that. Right, that I can <laughs> only because I've been doing it for the last right. fifteen years, and you're like, oh, she's modeling good behavior. <laughs> right, and maybe so it's bad you. behavior. Maybe it's rude. No, it's, it's I don't good know. Behavior. But it's like we're not stuck here. We're not on a raft. That's the thing. You know? and, and I'm not. You know, <laughs> right. you're not beholden to my whims. Yeah. If I don't want to do a thing, I and and three people do. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys fucking have a blast. I'm gonna go. <laughs> like yeah, I'm gonna I, not be part of it. I don't think that we we don't. Uh, yeah, I recently tried to get everyone to watch David Copperfield, and I just sort of realized, no, this is not for everybody. Not. But I do want to watch more of it. Yeah, there's only like. A, but it's like real sad. Like that's it, the other thing. It's like yeah, so Dickens, sad. Like right now, that, uh-huh. it's not great for my mental health. Right. Like I want to watch people getting like having good things happen to them, yeah. not just a never-ending series of just watching baby 
Danny Radcliffe mm-hmm. fucking tie pieces of fabric to his feet because his shoes <laughs> have fallen apart. I'm just like, here in the Christmas season of the year of our Lord 2020, <laughs> after a very tough year, after a lot of body blows and a lot of losses and a lot of death and a lot of... yeah. I just don't want to watch that right now. Does that mean I never want to watch it? No. I no, just I, need I, I, to watch. Sometimes I want to watch Jingle Jangle, which has not been allowed, and I'm sad about it. What I realize is that Dickens is a lot of heartbreak and a little hope. And I think that... Yeah, I need a lot of hope and a little right. heartbreak right now. That's is, just what I need always something to come down and be a cushion to you when it gets too harsh. But at the same time, yes, there are a lot of... Some books have one villain. Dickens will have a dozen villains in the same book. Yeah. Yeah. But so, anyhow. I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, yeah. Uh, I wish you safety and uh, a lot of hope and a little heartbreak. <laughs> and I, um, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can find us. You can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at LatecomersPod or on Facebook by searching for Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. I remind you to take your medicine, which means that I also remind me to take my medicine. I need to go do that. And we remind you, better Better late late than than never. never. Think about Indians on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Think about the indigenous people who actually put out a dinner to rescue these poor... Europeans who and were thanked <laughs> with uh, death and genocide. Yes, so think about that yeah. and give a moment to that and yes. then go on with your dinner. Yes, and don't kill Grandpa. Bye!